When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As of right now, we are at war. How desperate You call on such lost creatures to defend you. How desperate am I? You threaten my world with war. You steal a force you can't hope to control. You talk about peace and you kill because it's fun. You have made me very desperate. You might not be glad that you did. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people if they can become something more. Like the battles that we never could. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast about a discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol and the Marvel Universe. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined by my co-host, Christopher Bruffett. How are you doing today, Chris? It's a little chilly, but I'm great. Very excited about MCP right now with all these new characters coming out, the launch of the Fury's Finest Secret Wars season to has been super fun so far loving my roster loving getting to play against our newest friends just very cool mcp is just very cool right now yeah chris how exciting is it that the x-men just landed they're here they're finally here wave two of the x-men it's an exciting time we got a lot to crack i'm still floored that colossus Rogue and Gambit are all Brotherhood members, Mm. including X-Force. Look, man, I'm pretty sure my next bag is Brotherhood. I mean, you and I touched on it before we started recording, but it's been mulling in my head since we talked about it a little bit. I think it's going to happen, but that's all I'm telling y'all because the rest is content and I can, we can, come on, (laughs) we can make a whole episode about this. Why would I give it up for free like this? Well, speaking of content, I mean, it's no surprise now because the patrons that are Asgardian tier and up know this, but you and I built your Secret Wars list live on air on a Fury's Finest After Dark. That's our second feed on the Patreon. And, you know, very exciting, Chris. I'm smiling here as I say it. We, We made you a list that is Affiliation number one is X-Force, and X-Men is your flex affiliation. That's right. I just really love that. I love that. You're trying something new, and Mutants for Life. I, you know, Mutants for Life, I I said we're going into the the lab, you know? Uh, You and I are going to help crack this mutant code, this X-Men Wave 2 code, and so far, so good, man. X-Force is in an awesome spot right now. Absolutely, and I just love that you and I are kind of splitting the difference per se, because 
in your roster and I'm assuming it's going to be your in-person roster for a while too, when you get the models, but it's, you know, you're testing and trying out rogue in person. You're testing and trying out the Wolverine family, all three of them, Logan with the two children. That's right, Jesse. And as soon as Dakin is available, we'll get him in the roster as well. Long live the Wolverines. And they do because they have healing factors. Absolutely. And I'm just so excited. You're playing Laura and Gabriella and Logan together. And you know, Secrets out now, Chris. I have a new team that I'm diving super deep into. Very exciting to announce on the podcast that I've finally started my deep dive into Convocation. And with that comes the Sorcerer Supreme of Limbo, Magic. So my first game's with Magic. So I think we're kind of splitting the difference with all the new mutants because you've got also Colossus in your list. So we're kind of just covering all the new mutants except Gambit for the time being. It's it's really a bummer that I could not sneak Magic into my bag. Yeah. There are other mutant teams in the future that she will be on. Probably a Scott team of some sort when that materializes. Uh, She's really great with uh, Storm, but it just didn't work out, and I'm really bummed about it because Magic is just one of my favorite X-Men, period. And um, I'm glad you're using her, and I think she's an extremely high-potential three-threat. Yeah, actually, I've come to the conclusion playing her that her primary team is and probably will stay and remain as Convocation, which is very interesting. And, you know, the theme is right. Her being the Sorcerer Supreme of Limbo, you know, out there with Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, like there's a lot of cool things happening. But long story short, Chris, I'm absolutely in love with this team. And we're going to have an After Dark in a couple of weeks, kind of discussing my thought process and my playtesting and my list, you know, kind of to juxtapose your list and your playtesting with the X-Force and the X-Men Team Gold flex in your bag. So very exciting time. Uh, I'm loving every minute of it. I'm trying to play as much MCP as I possibly can with my crazy busy schedule. And it's it's fun fitting it in. But we've got to pivot off this stuff because you and I do have content coming up soon, covering more list building, covering more news. We're holding back on Daredevil and the Hand Ninjas for now. We just have to hold back. <laughs> very oh. exciting though. Guys, it's it'll it'll be here. Don't worry. But today, Chris, we are continuing our Spider-Foes series with one of the great villains of Spider-Man and one of the great villains of Marvel, Carnage. Ugh, he's mean. He's nasty. He's so Um, mean. And I'm very excited to talk tactics on Carnage. He's a very interesting kit, and I'm ready for you to uh, kind of unlock it for me a little bit. I'll do my best. He's one of the most complex characters in the game, and it's more just than his kit, Chris. It's the way you play him, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things with Carnage which are very different from other characters in the game. And that's what I love about him. We talked about him when he first was announced on our news episode. If you want to go back and listen to that, our first impressions. But essentially, Chris, he's a four threat specialist. And that's unusual for four threats in the game because they're kind of... Because the three threats and the four threats are kind of the workhorses of the game, though you and I have talked about how exciting it is to see all these four threats and three threats coming in that are specialists, that do have big weaknesses, that do have big strengths, it's very cool because typically the three threats and four threats make up everyone's teams in the game and kind of just even out your team and your play style, but not the case with this character, and we'll get more to that in strategy. Well, I'm excited, but first, we have to take care of a little business. Fury's Finest is supported by Discount Games Inc. Go to discountgamesinc.com for all your Marvel Crisis Protocol and miniature gaming needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoyed the show, 
consider supporting us with a monthly contribution. We take this time to thank all of our patrons who help us keep the lights on and keep the content coming. Thank you, patrons. And this week, we have a very, very special shout out to the patron of the week, Carney D. Carney, thank you so much so much thank you carney and of course chris we cannot do this show without our avengers producers zach attack rusty and dylan thank you avengers thanks to the big three all right chris we've got to get over to lore because there's a lot with this character cletus cassidy there's a ton and similar to a lot of our villain episodes you know we're going to be talking more about what carnage represents rather than rattling off a list of who he defeated and who defeated him Uh, over and over again because of course being a villain we don't get his pov as much as we do with heroes you know the book's named spider-man you know you're not going to get in carnage's head a whole lot so because of that you know we we do our big villains a little bit different than we do our heroes but i'm excited to dive into this guy he represents a lot in marvel i do believe but let's start off by asking the question we always ask who is carnage And this week, I think it's an extremely different question than normal because the Mm -hmm. character of Carnage had a few iterations, uh, of course, with the the symbiote. It is two sentient uh, life forms becoming one supervillain. Okay. So who is he? Cletus Cassidy is the human part of this equation, and he is literally a serial killer, an empathy-less bad person there are no redeeming qualities to cletus cassidy there just aren't it's very similar to like red skull we talked about in the early days just there's just nothing redeeming there is no doing the wrong thing for the right reasons there is no trying to change the world for the better in the wrong way Mm -hmm. it's just bad and then there's the carnage symbiote the carnage symbiote is the asexual offspring of the venom symbiote and Because this symbiote was born on Earth, it is adapted better to Earth in continuity. Kind of a loose premise if you ask me there. But it was an excuse to make him more powerful than Venom, which is needs to be noted. Like, Carnage is physically more powerful than Venom. And these symbiotes, you know, what they do, they give their host what the host wants so that they can stay bonded to the host for longer. And the longer they are bonded, the more kind of control and more melding the two kind of do and the symbiote kind of gets what they want there is an argument to be made that uh the symbiote will drive the host crazy eventually but that's not quite confirmed in canon at this point anyway that is a long answer for a typically short answer to a question which kind of illustrates the problems with talking with carnage guys everything can be a very long answer yeah that's true so let's just dive in let's just get to it (laughs) well and i think there's you brought up a lot of interesting points chris before we get too far into his history yeah yeah but essentially the more powerful venom symbiote step one and number two the melding of a evil human and a more powerful symbiote equals this new character and i say that because you talked about how they meld together and that's pretty interesting they kind of do meld together it's like there's times when cletus is more in control and the symbiote's in more control but eventually the final form of carnage is this sort of mix of both unlike Venom, which makes Venom so compelling to me as a character because when Venom and Eddie work out their stuff, they truly have a, more of a symbiotic relationship. It's true. Where they're both in control, they're both communicating with each other while doing stuff. 
Not so much the case with Cletus Cassidy. We kind of get a supervillain between two things melded together, right? And that's kind of a framing of it. But there are also moments of Cassidy in the symbiote, too. I do want to push back a little bit here. I do believe that this this line of reasoning may imply a little bit that the symbiote part of this equation is not also an empathyless, absolutely <laughs> evil entity, because it is. That is part of the reason Cassidy and the symbiote just are, I mean, for want of a better term, head over heels for each other. Like the Venom symbiote wanted to return to Parker for so long, and now, like the Venom symbiote feels about Eddie, that the symbiote loves Cassidy, and Cassidy loves the symbiote. They have similar goals. Their goals are to bring the world to total chaos because they believe chaos is freedom. And that is is carnage. Carnage is chaos embodied. In the Marvel Universe, I think you made an excellent point before we got on uh, got on Mike that Carnage is very, very similar to the Joker in DC continuity in the sense that they are just an agent of chaos. They don't have much more motivation other than they want to do this. Carnage, of course, is much more violent than the Joker mm-hmm. usually is. So let's talk about how Carnage kind of achieves some of this violence. Let's talk about his superpowers. As I mentioned before, the Carnage symbiote is more more powerful than the Venom symbiote uh, in terms of raw strength and and kind of ability, just all the way around. Uh, I, I've given you the lore reason for that, but ultimately they just they needed a really big bad, and they got one. Carnage is nasty. Aside from having uh, increased physical strength, he's stronger than both Venom and Spider-Man. He can do the other things that the symbiotes can do. The, the symbiote can shapeshift. The Carnage symbiote has even more control over the way his limbs you know, form and things than even the Venom symbiote. You see his hands being axes all the time, just random spikes coming out and just going through things, much like the T-2000 in Terminator 2, okay? It can stick to walls. He can shoot webs. His suit can shoot projectiles. Uh, The symbiote is in Cassidy's bloodstream, so he has a healing factor of sorts. The symbiote can even keep him alive, maybe not fully functioning, but alive in space, alive underwater, just all kinds of things. There have been some incarnations of the carnage where the symbiote is uh kind of vampiric i don't know how that's going to shake out in the future but at you know as of right now he's not but who knows how it goes when somebody else gets a hold of the character and the last last thing both members of this symbiotic relationship their minds are absolutely broken so in a way that's kind of a superpower too yeah just no empathy they just do whatever they want they're they're carnage sociopaths both of them right big time criminal sociopaths yeah yeah so let's talk let's talk about uh their first appearance cletus cassidy is introduced in the amazing spider-man number 344 the first appearance of carnage is in issue 361 and of course in Amazing Spider-Man 344. Chris, you and I touched on this on our Halloween special, the Midnight Suns episode, but that was that period of Marvel, 1991. It was peak dark gothic Marvel where they were trying a lot of things. Makes perfect sense this character came out. But also keep in mind too, 
you know, a decent amount of time after Venom in 1988, you know, and this was the introduction of Cletus Cassidy. And then of course, issue 361, a little bit later, Carnage is fully introduced. So a good five years or so since Venom's introduction, but it all started that late 80s and went to late 90s, essentially was this this era of Marvel. And I think that's interesting that it's like right at the front end of this era of Marvel we've talked about before. It does not get any more 90s no. than Maximum Carnage just doesn't there's one kind of meta point i want to make on this carnage's name was almost chaos it got changed in editorial later but originally the character's name was chaos i think they did better by going with carnage but it illustrates my point of him being an agent of chaos and kind of chaos incarnate in the Spider-Man rogues gallery and, you know, sometimes Marvel at large. Yeah. And we should also talk about too, Chris, you know, I've always had that DC comment about Carnage you mentioned up front, but also like, let's put this character in perspective with all the other villains of Marvel. He's pretty profoundly different in the way that he truly is pure evil, which is kind of rare in Marvel. And then as we've talked about before, almost unmotivated, as in his worldview is pure evil in the way of it's not even like he's the hero of his own story it's just like you said he wants to bring about chaos mayhem and death and it's just a very strange thing for marvel because marvel does have a lot of great villains that are kind of like the heroes of their own stories like those sort of thanos ultron type things where it's like they have a purpose that they think they have right carnage thinks he has a purpose too but i just find it very compelling that like this is more of a dc villain type approach it's very dark it's very dark for marvel and it's very new at this time now i know this changes dramatically late 80s onward but let's also keep in mind the universe he's in is the peter parker universe like one of the most hopeful characters in all of marvel as well so very strong juxtaposition very interesting excellent point so yeah, I just, have, I just want to mention that up front, and I appreciate you saying good point there, Chris, because there's almost too much to talk about with this character, and it's kind of hard to quantify, but I feel like with you talking about his superpowers, motivations, and then me kind of mentioning the type of evil we're dealing with in Marvel here should frame our history pretty well. And I start by saying, before Chris even gets into history, this is a trigger warning. This is a very dark graphic history of a character, which is unusual for Marvel. So we always give these before these dark histories. And I think now is an appropriate time, Chris, to mention this because, you know, this is not a section for kids to listen to. This is, if this is something that doesn't interest you, you can skip past his history because especially even Chris, the beginning of his history, it's very violent. It's extremely violent and dark, but I guess to put a little bow on, uh, on what Jesse's saying here, human life is very cheap for Carnage. Mm-hmm. So if that is if that is troublesome, no problem if you need to skip through this uh, lore episode or maybe wait for a later date when you're in a, in a better place for it. But let's start with Cletus Cassidy's childhood and his upbringing. Now, in a meta sense, they have retconned this story a few times. They've changed it a few times. So what that kind of leads to is me saying that in a kayfabe sense, in an in-story sense, in-character sense, Cletus Cassidy is a very unreliable narrator. Let's summarize this all to say, Cletus is born in prison. He's brought into this world in a state of lawlessness. Hmm. His He kills his grandmother. His mother tries to kill him. His father kills his mother defending him. Terrible terrible upbringing he has horrible horrible experiences in the foster care system and probably burned down an orphanage 
look, it's bad. They had to give an as tragic or more tragic backstory to kind of give this character more potency. I feel like the, the backstory had to be as tragic and as over the top and as violent as the character is. Yeah. And it makes you understand him despite him being pure evil. Like he's one of the hardest villains to understand because he is pure evil and chaos, but his backstory helps a lot, Chris, because I mean, any sort of child subjected to that much violence, murder and trauma is going to have a lot of issues. And of course with carnage, they manifest into a homicidal sociopath. And that's a sad real world aspect of this story in a weird way uh, in a superhero world. You know, art mimics real life, but it is extremely sad. And I hate, I hate kind of having to explain these stories because Mm -hmm. I'm a very empathetic person. So it always puts me kind of in that mindset and uh, it kind of brings me down a little bit. That's why I drink lots of coffee today, but (laughs) let's, let's, let's get into this. So Cletus grows up to become a serial killer, which gets him lands him on Riker's Island. And this is where he comes into the Marvel universe. This is where he is introduced. He is cellmates with a recently incarcerated and de-symbiotized. I don't know what that word is. I'm trying to make up here, Jesse, but you all get it. Eddie Brock is his cellmate. And this is during a period where Eddie Brock has lost his job. Eddie Brock has gotten a divorce. He has, turned to working out i mean he's going full taxi driver on this one right yeah so eddie as i said eddie is not venom at this moment and cletus cassidy is planning on killing eddie but what happens is eddie does get cut but that venom symbiote has bonded into eddie's blood and there are traces there so with that blood what happens here is that piece of the venom symbiote asexually reproduces and the carnage symbiote is born and because they're cellmates the carnage symbiote bonds with cassidy very quickly and now we have carnage the bond between cassidy and the symbiote is extremely strong and it happens extremely quickly and that like that's that goes back to what i was telling about they're both completely fractured minds They want the same thing. Chaos is freedom. They say it all the time. They were made for each other, literally designed for each other. Of course, Venom and Spider-Man defeat Carnage and off he goes to, to do the thing. Then we get to our first real story. So Carnage has been introduced. He's doing the thing. He's killing lots of people. He's been defeated. Then we get Maximum Carnage, which is a huge crossover event in the 90s it's an 18 issue event it spans five different spider-man titles it is big one of the big notable things that happens in maximum carnage and guys i want to really just press this on you that it is just about the most 90s event that there (laughs) is i mean it is it is right up there with like spawn it is right up there with with cable just embodying 90s comics it's very cool it is also where we get the origin and the birth of Shriek. Mm -hmm. So it's not going to be a surprise. She's probably going to be coming to MCP. This isn't speculation. It's just likely. So good way to get ahead of that, maybe, you know, but it and Maximum Carnage will be my big reading recommendation for this week. So let's move past Maximum Carnage. What is Carnage doing? What are his goals? I kind of mentioned it before. Carnage legitimately wants to plunge the world into chaos for no other reason than he thinks chaos is freedom. 
Human life is cheap to him. He is the strongest guy on the block. So, of course, he wants no centralized power because he would absolutely thrive in a world where the strong have all the power because he is extremely, extremely strong. So the next big event that Carnage is going to show up in is the web of Carnage. He's so good at having whole events named after him. He's such a a pivotal character in that sense. In the web of Carnage, the Carnage symbiote will be split from Cassidy from the first time. He'll actually bond with Ben Riley for a time. Ben Riley being a clone of Parker and uh, was the current Spider-Man during Web of Carnage. I, I think a reoccurring thing coming up in these stories so far, and something I've always loved about Carnage, is the first time he comes around, it forces Peter Parker and Eddie Brock to team up. And then we kind of get this sort of unlikely alliance going forward. Anytime there's a Carnage situation, Venom and Spider-Man team up. And kind of moving forward, we see even more of the lethal protector venom, which is my favorite venom, you know, the more the anti-hero venom always than the villain. Right. And it's just kind of working with Peter cements that and the venom character. So in a weird way, carnage is the glue or, you know, the water for Mm. both of these characters to come together and, you know, actually build a relationship. And that happens a lot because every time it's like Peter Parker, venom and some other superheroes work together to defeat carnage. I I do always love an odd couple pairing in just about any medium it's just always entertaining Mm -hmm. so i I think that's an excellent point how carnage has been a vehicle to have eddie and peter be interacting more and more throughout the years but carnage has always also been a vehicle for giant events i mean Mm -hmm. carnage usa minimum carnage superior carnage he plays a big role in Axis, plays a role in post-Axis. He's has his solo series for a while. Then he's a big figure in the Venomized thing. And then we go into Absolute Carnage, which, you know, is is more recent and leads kind of leads into uh, all the Null stuff in King and Black. But he's always a major figure when he's around. Mm-hmm. So, but that also makes his stories a little bit kind of, not all of them are very good. I think Carnage USA was a just terrible read. I'm I'm sorry if you feel different. Uh, it's just hard to get through. So a lot of these stories are very very cool. It's kind of the same thing we talked about with Venom. Excellent, excellent idea, excellent lore. But sometimes they're just. It's really hard to put engaging stories on the page with these guys, just because they're such out of out of the box characters. They're they're power sets are so imaginative and require so much creativity it's not always easy well and even more so with carnage right than venom because by the nature of what happens in marvel carnage is a villain you know and sometimes they're used as plot devices though the carnage villainous things are usually more interesting than most villains because it's always something like extremely dark Mm -hmm. stakes are high and then on top of that, yes, the symbiote can be melded by writers to do different things. Like, like you know, Chris, like an absolute carnage story, like Cletus infects the homeless of the city to work for him and stuff. Like there's a lot of crazy dark elements of the story. But yeah, like you said, they can only go so far, especially with a villain. I mean, that's why I've always liked Venom more, obviously, because he's, he's on the more heroic side. But there's a lot of things happening here. And now, of course, we can't even talk about it today because there's no room. But Carnage plays a pivotal and major role in the Null King and Black storyline. In fact, he might be the most interesting he's ever been now because of the storyline. Because in a weird way, Carnage is the spark that ignites the flame for Null 
to arrive essentially or or be a villain you know and that's all i'm gonna say i'm not gonna spoil it but well i you know i haven't got to read king in black yet i've read very little and i'm ready to dive into more i am very excited to do it it's it's a very large undertaking uh it's (laughs) it's hard to fight i'm i'm trying to get through spawn i'm trying to get through nick spencer's spider-man you know obviously reading for the show it's a lot but we love comics so it's all good so Jesse, we've done a we've done a pretty good amount on Cletus and Carnage here. We haven't touched on quite everything he's done. He has died a few times. He's been resurrected a few times. I think his uh, heroic nature during Axis, which we've talked about a little bit, uh, that's when Axis is when the morality compass of the Marvel six one six universe gets flipped on its head, and we do a little role reversal where heroes are now villains and villains are now heroes. I think. His heroic side is interesting, but when it comes down to it, you know, I I really think that if you want to know about Carnage, you read Maximum Carnage, and that is Mm -hmm. just, that is the essence of the character boiled down. It's concentrate, you know, so he is just chaos, y'all. He just really is, and so what I want to do to kind of go ahead and and put a bow on all of this, I want to give you a couple of reading recommendations. And of course, I've already mentioned Maximum Carnage. It does span five different titles. You can find it digitally very easily. Uh, and I, I'll have a list of the actual titles uh, on the show notes for the patrons. And then I think Absolute Carnage is pretty cool. So, uh, and it, it leads into all this stuff. Absolute Carnage, newer, you can find it on, you can find it very easily and it's not spread out over a ton of series, so it's a lot lot better. So now, Jesse, we have to talk about the movie. That's right. The movie. One movie. Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. Now, I will mention, while we're in our silver screen moment of the show, Carnage has been a mainstay, Chris, on many shows. That would be Spider-Man, the animated series, Spider-Man well, Unlimited, the spectacular Spider-Man, and Ultimate Spider-Man, to varying degrees of his appearances and his level of evilness, essentially, because some of them are more mature shows and some of them are sure simpler shows. And typically, it is those storylines, Peter and Eddie working together to defeat Carnage, send him back to Ravenloft, or like he runs away or he's in prison. That's the type of stories we're given. Now, Carnage has only recently come to the silver screen as into the cinema, and that's with Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, which was just last year, Chris, 2021. Now, so much to say about this movie, but I'm not going to do it here because, (laughs) you know, I know you haven't seen it yet, Chris, and it's weird. It's one of those situations like they got a lot of things right about Carnage and they got a lot of things wrong. I have seen bits. Uh, yeah, I've I, seen bits. Yeah. Well, no, I think I saw it and just don't remember much of it because I just lost interest. Yes, they got they got portions right. It's just Sony doesn't know what they're doing when it comes to making a making a likable character uh, in a superhero movie. Step one: Carnage can't be in a movie that's PG thirteen. <laughs> Bingo. He just, he just can't. Step two, if you're going to make it the more sympathetic Cletus, which is what the, a little bit of what they do in this movie, they don't make him too sympathetic, but they do make him more sympathetic. They lean into his past. They lean into some of these things, and they obviously get a great actor to play him in Woody Harrelson. True. That's going to bring that element of like psychotic sociopath, but also some sympathy, which I, I really did like that approach. It's just not enough time, Chris. I mean, this is like an 89-minute movie that's PG-13 that really does a really good job of furthering 
the Eddie Venom love story is what I'm calling it. And and Carnage is kind of he's just kind of there. Like he he has a main part in the movie. I mean, I'm glad they only did one villain. That's something Sony struggled with in the past, and they've come they finally come over that, which I'm very happy for them. One villain should but what we do in movies. And Marvel's made the same mistake in a lot of the early MC movies, like the double sure. fake out villain thing. I, I do not like that. I want to feel like the stakes are high. The villain is a threat to our characters. And also, you know, with all that going on, they can nail the symbiote all they want, but there's there's too much for one movie with Carnage. I'm going to be honest. It's, it's like a Joker element where it's like, if you're going to do the chaotic thing, like the Joker, you've got to do the chaotic thing and kind of leave it open or you've got to put them like there's a lot of things that need to be done and it's why a lot of the batman movies have succeeded and why this movie did not do so well because yeah they nailed the effects the suit's incredible carnage's powers are incredible they kind of nailed the fight between venom and carnage too but i don't think one short movie is enough for this character well i think the bottom line about that movie was it was just too hastily put together Mm -hmm. i do not believe that they believed in Venom 1 to be a success. I don't be- I think it caught them by surprise how successful it was. Right. And they did the the classic Hollywood thing of, "Oh my gosh, Turn another movie out quick. This is better than we thought. Put one out immediately." And that just never leads to a, a a memorable experience. Like there are good takeaways from the movie. There are good mm-hmm. scenes, mm-hmm. excellent acting performances. Yep. But just too hastily put together. Even the CGI is noticeably hasty put, hastily put together. Yeah, and this happens in all superhero movies, right? Even the oh, MCU yeah. movies are a huge culprit of the sometimes, and it just blows my mind that we can have a movie of the caliber of Black Panther and have a final fight scene that just looks like it was made in a few mm-hmm. weeks, and turns out it was made in a few weeks. That's horrible. That's bad decision-making. Just give them time. <laughs> give them another month, you know? It's like, that's not even that much time. I do like the symbiote in this movie, and I do like Woody Harrelson's performance. I just do not think they get enough screen time to fully bring about what the character is. And it just makes it more like a throwaway superhero villain character, you know? And this is one of those things like, I don't know, I'm happy that Eddie and Venom stuff gets better with every one of these movies. And I, I just, Tom Hardy loves the character and he's committed to this Eddie Brock character. And I just adore that. There shouldn't be one Carnage movie. There should be probably two. Let's just start there, right? Like they should leave on a cliffhanger, something really bad happening at the end. Like it normally does with Carnage stories where he kills someone important. Well, he does that a lot. He does that a lot. Looking at you, Ultimate Spider-Man universe, uh, Death of Gwen Stacy by Carnage in that universe is, that's a rough one. Hey, in a another universe uh gwen there's been uh you know carnage gwen too so exactly those characters are kind of it i i really do love the uh, all the the convoluted storylines of the x-men and the spider family it's just very cool yeah there's just too many cool things that writers want to get to the table and then they'll mess up continuity just to get cool things out Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. very common with these symbiotes because yeah the symbiote brings out people's best and worst traits depending on the type of person they are or amplifies traits you know and that's an interesting concept i don't know if we'll get more carnage in the future in the silver screen i assume we will but it's a matter of time but it's one of those things like yeah studios are so money hungry that like their first goal was make a movie pg-13 and make it short and get it out quickly when their first goal should be make a good movie yeah <laughs> make a good movie with you know characters that are fleshed out there it is you know it's very simple there it is and you know i i feel like they absolutely did that with eddie brock and the second venom movie and and unfortunately there was no time for carnage outside of just killing people and unfortunately when he kills people 
the camera's having to pan away. There's no blood. There's no gore. <laughs> right. I don't want a gore fest. I don't want like that type of movie necessarily. I just want to fear carnage like you like you should, you know. And <laughs> you just can't do that type of stuff in PG-13 movies. Uh, it's just not how the MPA rating system works. Listen, I think PG-13 movies should be illegal to make. Probably so. Yeah. Federal law, just do it. No more PG-13. <laughs> just PG. You're PG or you're R. Yeah. Yeah. Or G. It's one yeah. of the two. Yeah. Quit with the half measures. Just be brave or be don't, you know? <laughs> I like that take, Chris. <laughs> be brave or be don't. Yeah. It's it's very smart. Yeah. It's very smart thinking. Really well worded. You know, and we could talk Carnage all day because he's one of those characters, Chris. He's more of an essence. He does return time after time after time. Oh, it's yeah. It's the nature I mean, of the character, right? He's chaos. It's like it's like Loki. Loki's the trickster. He's never going to fully be gone because you always need a trickster. Always. You always need that agent of chaos. And he is the one for Marvel right now that people like the most. People love the symbiotes, especially casual Marvel fans. And I think that's awesome. And yeah, man, it's just he's their number one agent of chaos. Maybe that changes in 10, 15 years. But for now, this is what we got. And I'm kind of here for it. Well, and what's so compelling about Carnage and so strange to say, because it sounds like a counterintuitive statement. What's so compelling about him, Chris, is that he's an agent of chaos and death. And he's not really that deep. In the way that our other villains are in Marvel that we love so much, like Magneto, for instance, there's a juxtaposition there. Cletus Cassidy is not what you would call an intelligent person. Right. You're right. And the symbiote is more animalistic, right? I agree. Yeah. So what makes him interesting is that he's not bound essentially by normal Marvel villain things or normal human empathetic things. No morals yeah. whatsoever. And he is otherworldly in that case. So he can be on a plane with someone as interesting as Magneto, but in a completely different way. They're opposite ends of the spectrum. Magneto's compelling is because we understand his motivations. We understand that he's the hero of his story or that he might even be right in a lot of cases. But he ends up being a villain because of all those thoughts. Carnage is just a villain because he is raw, animalistic, unhinged chaos. Excellently put. And we got to have him in Marvel because he is an interesting balancing act against some of our heroes we love so much with their compasses that we truly love, like the Peter Parkers of the world. But I think we got to get into strategy, Chris, because this character is a very complex one. Look, Jesse, uh, we spent way more time on lore than I thought we would anyway, and I yeah. knew it was going to be rough. And now... We're going into this one. Strap in, folks. Let's do it. So if you're following along at home, we're going through his card. His name is Carnage. His alter ego is Cletus Cassidy. On his healthy side, he has a stamina of seven, a move of medium on a medium-sized base, a height of two, and a threat cost of four. His defenses are five physical, one energy, and one mystic Mm. On his injured side, Chris, he also has a stamina of seven, taking him up to a total of 14, one of the highest amounts of health in the game, especially for a four threat. What are your thoughts on Carnage stats first pass? He presents a very interesting game design question, I think. And, I, and you know, AMG handled it in a pretty elegant way, mm -hmm. I, I believe, with the five physical defense, the two ones, but giving him just really high 
amount of uh, health. So it's a it's a balancing act with this character. I think it's an elegant solution. But you know, like we said, he is a specialist. So I I kind of expecting weird stuff like that. You know. Yeah, and we can never understate how good health is, Chris. It's one of those things mm-hmm. like we've all had horrendous dice in this game. And for me, I don't really get upset when my big dice pools don't hit on attacks because that's just type of player i am i'm used to it uh it makes me so sad when my defense dice don't hit i get even more upset because statistically sometimes that just goes the way you would never expect what's helpful about carnage is since he's 14 health you've almost got to think like he's just got baked in defense dice in a weird way because health is always better than defense dice it's just how the game is like a model with like six health on one side and six health on the other side with lower defense stats is better than a model with five on one side and five on the other side because it's just guaranteed defense in a way. You know, if you're not gone, true. you're in the game. Now, Carnage's weakness is a defense on energy of one and defense on mystic of one. But Chris, he has the highest physical defense in the entire game of anyone at five. That is absurd for physical defense. Extremely. And he's an outlier. Like no one has that. You know, and he should be. Yeah, like I said, I, I really find this to be an elegant solution to that design problem. Mm. Bravo to AMG. But let's uh let's let's get into these attacks, shouldn't we? Yeah. So the first attack for Carnage. It is a physical attack. It is symbiote tendrils. It has a range of three, a power of five, power cost of zero. It is a builder. The character gains power equal to the damage dealt. And after the attack is resolved, the target character gains the bleed condition. No wilds necessary. So already my ears are perked up for sneaking Carnage into a team with Blade. It's very true. We're going to get to it a little bit later, but it is there, Chris. Now, interesting to mention while we're here, we're going to pull up Carnage alongside Venom. And what do you know? They have the exact same strike. A range three, five dice strength, zero power cost, power equal to damage dealt, auto bleed strike. I love it. So if you've already played Venom, you understand how this works. Also, Chris, the range three is deceptive because once again, we're working with a medium based character here. It's 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 yep. almost like a range four. If you can wrap your head around it in that way, because the way you're going to move around the map and, and the distance you have on your base is wider, just like Venom. I will mention though we didn't mention up front because I'm going to make a lot of Venom comparisons as we're here. Carnage does get around Venom's biggest weakness, which is he's a medium move instead of a short. I was about to bring that up. Yes, uh, it is such a bummer that Venom is a short move. It's good, though. I mean, it, if he's a medium, he'd be running this game. I I understand. I, I understand the need for it, but it hurts me. But yeah, Carnage is not. Carnage not nearly as tanky as Venom, though. They're just different tanky, right? Like, they're both tanky. And something I will mention while we're here, Chris, on this Venom versus Carnage discussion, Venom's defenses are four physical, so a downgrade from Carnage's physical. But then his other defenses are an upgrade from Carnage's. His energy is two. Still not great. And his mystic is three. Eddie Brock has a normal mm. mind here. Like he's he's right on our average line for characters, right? Carnage, not the case because obviously Cletus Cassidy's mind is gone and the symbiotes do not like energy at all. Nope. But moving on to Carnage's second and final attack. It's another physical attack called Maximum Carnage. The range is A2. That, of course, is Area 2. 
And you love that. Oh, yes. You love that area too on a medium base. Yes, because you've got more reach once again, right? Like we just talked exactly. about. The strength of this attack is seven and it costs five power to do. Very, very expensive. Very. After each attack is resolved, the target character gains the bleed special condition. So once again, just keep yourself in the mindset that no matter what, Carnage is always giving a bleed off of his builder or his spender. But the maximum Carnage has a big condition. It has a big thing to meet which is really why you do this. If you get a wild and a hit, you get to trigger rampage. After each attack is resolved, deal one damage to each other enemy character within two of this character. So the way this works, Chris, is I move Carnage, ideally, let's say in a spot where he can attack three characters. I spend the five power. I do seven dice attack on the first character. As long as I got a hit and a wild in my dice pool after the attack is fully resolved. So that means after rerolls, modifiers, everything, I then get to deal one damage to each other enemy character within two of the target. So this is one of those weird things where it's a chaining A2 in a weird way, because yeah, Carnage placed his feet between three models and he's getting to perform an area two now on them. But let's say there was a fourth model just barely outside of that A2 range, but in range two of one of the models you're attacking, you can now ping them. So in a weird way, you're pinging all the models in the A2 because that's just how it's going to be. They're all range two, essentially, if they're range two of this target, which probably they are. And then you might even get another ping outside of your area two bubble on someone on the periphery that was just a little too close. Very cool, because this happens every time. So Chris, then you'd move on to your second A2 attack and maybe trigger this rampage again. So this is a lot of pings if you get these results. To get a wild is always difficult. We know this in the game. To get a hit, yes, not difficult. So... The chances of how many pings you're going to get is going to vary from game to game, but this is a finisher move, and that's why it costs five power. And sometimes it just whiffs. I know all too well about finishers uh, whiffing. This is a very, very cool attack. The biggest problem is how situational it is. You have to have an opponent that's clumped, so you need your mm-hmm. you need your crisis your crisi to be correct and you need your opponent to clump uh how that happens maybe you can force it a little bit maybe you can manipulate it or massage things into an advantageous position but the fact of the matter is a good player excellent player is going to know to keep those characters not so clumped or it's going to be a very calculated risk when they do so Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, Chris, maybe another way to look at this as the Carnage player is you're like, I'm, I'm probably going to whiff or I might whiff. That's a good mindset to go into. Right. And you're dishonestly using this as a, well, I'm flush on power. I'm on like, I'm on like seven, eight, nine power. And I'm just going to guarantee I attack two or three models with one action. And that's a good way to think about it rather than the perfect chaining trigger. Cause I know the theme of this, Chris, it's incredible. He's, he's oh, getting sure. in the middle of everybody. Tendrils are going out and hitting every target. And then Everywhere, those are, yeah. and then those targets, tendrils are splintering out of their bodies and pinging other targets in the periphery, right? Like it's such a cool image. We know what he's doing. This is his like finisher move, but sometimes it doesn't hit. But I think if you put yourself in that mindset, oh, I'm going to get three targets or more with this, I'm just going to do it because it's damage. And Carnage's role is to be tanky and to deal damage and nothing else. <laughs> that's it. He has no control Agreed. like Venom does. That That's like the trade-off. Yeah, that is 100% his role. And am I correct in saying in your roster building, when you include Carnage, you need to be okay with him dying? 100%, yeah. Because he will die either by being countered or he will die getting his goal off, right? So you're okay with that. Now, what you don't want is him to die early. And we're going to talk about that later with our turn zero discussion. 
But Chris, he's got a lot of superpowers. <laughs> a lot. He does. There's a lot of text on this card. Let's start with his first one. It is an active superpower. It is sadistic glee. It's going to cost you two power. During the next attack action made by Carnage this turn, add two dice to Carnage's attack rolls. After each attack is resolved, if the attack roll contains any skull results, this character suffers one damage. This superpower can only be used once per turn. This is incredibly powerful, Chris, because this helps Carnage get around the missing on dice issue, essentially, because you're just adding mm-hmm. two more raw dice to your pools. Also, too, just think about how powerful it makes Symbiote Tendrils, his builder. He has a seven yes, dice builder. Seven dice with an auto bleed. Very very effective yeah but obviously this makes maximum carnage unbelievably powerful Mm. because if you're going in with that mindset i said attacking three characters or more even if one of these nine dice attacks with you're going to move on to another target right and get another one and obviously you have a higher chance to trigger the rampage those pings on everybody else and just start stacking up pings and you know what's cool chris is like if you whiff on that first target, you can potentially strike into the other two targets with this A2 and kill the first target with pings. Right. So there's there's still a way around it. You know, There's things you can do. Keep that in mind too, because you might want to attack that target last, as in the target that has the least amount of health left. You might want to attack them last because the way the pings are working and stuff, you, you might want it to spread around in an interesting way. Because like they're all free attacks either way because A2, right? You might as well attack the yes. healthy people first, get some pings on everybody, and then attack that targets who's really weak, maybe finish them off with the A2, but also get some more pings off on those first targets. It's very interesting the way you can order it. There's a way to do it right. Not only that, but if you get that character flipped, you're playing right in to his next superpower. Mm -hmm. It is a reactive superpower. It is paint the town red. It will cost you three power. If Carnage dazes or KOs an enemy character with an attack during its activation, Carnage may use this superpower. After the attack is resolved, Carnage advances short, removes all damage from itself, and then makes a symbiote tendril attack. The superpower can only be used once per turn. Now, this is where Carnage gets going. He is so snowbally. He is so momentum-based. Mm-hmm. At his worst, it's going to be a lot of whiffs and nothing done, four points wasted. Yep. At his best, he is going to snowball the game, probably starting off from coming in from a flank Mm -hmm. and just absolutely cut the opposing team to ribbons. Well, he's a big question asker, right? Like he's one of those characters, like he's playing a different MCP and that's very cool because with Mm -hmm. him playing a different MCP and the rest of your team's playing normal MCP, you've got two questions at your opponent where it's like, okay, we're both playing the game normally, Chris, scoring objectives correctly, controlling each other on points, attacking each other on points and scoring. But also I have a carnage that's asking a second question that's playing a different game entirely coming around deleting your models and asking a question to you, do you want to focus all your attention on Carnage and probably wipe him off the board? But now my team gets to do what they want to do. Very cool. Exactly like Corvus Glaive, why he's a menace in this game, because he does the same thing. So yeah, there's a lot going on here. Now paint the town red. It costs three. You're always going to keep three on Carnage. This is just a rule of life. (laughs) (laughs) Three is zero power with Carnage. And this is why Maximum Carnage costs five, Chris, because there's no universe 
if you want to sadistic glee, maximum carnage, and paint the town red, you have to have 10 power. And that seems fair because that's that's the turn where you do it all, right? And that's the turn. You don't want carnage to have 10 power either for this very, very same purpose. Right. But once again, you've got to do some things and be in position before that. So there's a lot of factors here. But let's not forget also to, Chris, paint the town red. Removes all damage from carnage. This is his healing factor we've talked about. So gross. Like I said... It's kind of the reason I said that he's so momentum-based and so snowball-y. I mean, I'm kind of of the opinion that Carnage is a win-more character. It's why I'm not very big on on using him. But the potential is definitely there, and it's obvious. And, you know, maximum Carnage in a vacuum, maybe it's not worth five. But making those three powers add up to ten is the absolute correct call it is there is no way that that should be happening more than once a game unless things are just crazy he breaks a rule chris that a lot of us have taught ourselves playing this game where it's like keep power on your character to do Mm -hmm. superpowers to do control things to do throws to stay alive with like reactive powers like cables shield for instance carnage isn't like that he's like i only have three ways to spend power two are superpowers involving dealing more damage and then one's a giant spender attack that's it you know and guess what chris he's gonna get a lot of power because his defenses are not great (laughs) right and that's also why you're hoping for paint the town red that's like you said that's his healing factor that is what gives him that potential tankiness you know eddie can heal for for wounds dished out right but if carnage can get that ko he can he can just roll him up days are ko yeah if he if he's flips somebody yeah. like they're they're just he's getting healed up what a thematic piece here because of course he's eating the character seven damage that's hard to get through in one in one round too we've talked about before yeah and if he activates mid-round uh maybe you get four damage on him he activates gets a daze He's right back to seven. It's scary. That's hard. Well, and let's also not forget too, Chris, and we're focusing a lot of time on paint the town right here, but we have to, because this is essentially his entire kit is built around it this, is his kit. This, yeah. this, this thing, because I've started playing Carnage really safe because I've just had some extremely bad dice on Carnage and playing him safe is still really fun because as long as you have power for, to get the town red, let's not forget how powerful free short moves are in this game and then free attacks. So you get to advance short on a medium base and then perform a free strike attack, right? See Sam Wilson. Exactly. See Gene. See <laughs> Gene. So it's funny that like we're like so hyper fixated on you dazed or KO to target and you get to heal up to six damage off a character. Yes, that's incredible. That's like the high ceiling. But really, Chris, this is a free short move and a free strike on someone else. And that's like its worst day scenario. Obviously, its best day scenario is well, you healed him back up to full, and now he gets free short move right. and a free attack. Maybe he's planning his feet on a secure, asking questions of the enemy team. I absolutely love this character because he is so hard to pilot. And, you know, Chris, you said he's a win more character. He is a win more character, or he's a lose more character. Like, he's kind of all yep. in. He's not He's not plug and play. And we're going to get to more of that in affiliation list building. But closing out his superpowers, he has three innate superpowers, which I'm going to read real quick because they're pretty interesting. Arch Nemesis, Eddie Brock. The only time we other time we've seen this in the game is Green Goblin. Yeah, and it's all spider family oriented. Awesome. I love you, AMG. That's incredible. So when attacking Eddie Brock, notice it says Eddie Brock, Chris, and not Venom. This is incredible. This means any other future Eddie well Brocks done. are getting hunted by Carnage. Scary. And some Venoms will not be hunted by Carnage. That's true. So when attacking Eddie Brock, 
This character may modify or reroll skull results and may reroll any number of attack dice. At the start of this character's activation, if there is a non-dazed enemy Eddie Brock within range three, so that of course is his symbiote tendrils range, of Carnage, Carnage's first action must be an attack targeting Eddie Brock if possible. So yes, this is a way to control Carnage because he loses an action every turn, but also he's going to blow Eddie Brock up. Absolutely destroy him. It slows Carnage down because he's fixated on his target, just like the Peter Parker, Norman Osborn scenario, which we're going to talk about in an episode very soon. But these are devastating attacks from Green Goblin and Carnage against their arch nemesis because you're essentially giving these characters a better version of Doctor Strange's Eye of Agamotto, where he can modify skulls, but more importantly, he, he can pick up all those dice and roll them one more time and statistically get a better result. Well, this is better because it says me roll any number. So you can pinpoint dice you don't like, those blanks, those blocks, those skulls, and you can just re-roll them and probably daze an Eddie Brock. It's, it's scary. Rerolls on attack are so extremely powerful just because the dice are weighted towards getting hits. More so than getting defenses, right? Mm-hmm. So the reroll of the attack is going to work way more often than rerolling a defense dice. As nice as it, as it is yep. to reroll defense dice and as powerful as that can be, yep. denying damage, he's going to shred Venom. That's what I'm just getting at. And the theme here is obviously incredible. Now, closing out his innate superpowers, he has symbiotic serial killer. When this character is attacking, the defending character does not add dice to his defense pool from critical results. Enemies do not blow up crits. This makes defense dice so much more inconsistent, Chris. Yep. Because Venom's is when this character is attacking, the defending character cannot modify, so they can't re-roll dice. So sorry, Web Warrior leadership. This is why I think Venom is just uh, just a good character. But, you know, closing out his superpowers, Chris, of course he has it, but it makes him incredibly fast. He's a medium-sized base with a medium move with wall crawler. It's treated exactly the same way as a flyer. He ignores all terrain of size five or less. So unless there's a size six out there, he's just crawling over it. Very good. Very good. And it's going to help him out a lot because as that flanker, he has to use terrain in the correct way to stay safe, to get cover, to hide behind line of sight, to climb into the back line, and hopefully get in position. Bingo. On his injured side, nothing changes. Nothing changes. He He's still at seven health, keeping him at that 14. All his attacks are the same, which I find very cool. And we did mention Sadistic Glee already. I will mention again, it does damage him. So don't obviously do Sadistic Glee when you're on one life left. But potentially, what's cool about Sadistic Glee is it can potentially get you that days or KO, and then you just heal it all back. So even if you take a skull damage, you just heal it. I mean, if you do Sadistic Glee with a maximum carnage and there's enough characters around, you could potentially just KO yourself. I mean, think about it. When the dice are going real bad, I mean, look, man, it's going to happen to somebody or it has happened to somebody already. I'm just saying. Hopefully one's Venom. Get to reroll those skulls, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know, cool stuff. Or you got X-Force leadership, getting some rerolls. But yeah, you can't do anything about skulls if you get them. It's just going to happen. But... Okay, so closing this character's card, Chris, before we move on to tax cards, his defenses are deceptive. I'll tell you that when you play this character. Yes. The defenses look scary. They are scary. Like, say you're playing a mage team or you're playing an energy attacking team. That's probably not the time to bring Carnage because that's too many attacks. But typically, the way MCP works, and we all know this because this is the state of the game up to this point, and maybe it'll be the state of the game for the future. 
most people do physical attacks. Most of the attacks in the game are physical. Yep. As in, there's more physical attack than energy or mystic. So he's obviously the best defensive character in the game against those attacks. The only thing he doesn't have that some other characters have, like Lizard and Cage, is the auto block one. That's really good. So that's there's some math mm-hmm. there. That's not what we do here, but you know, 14 health is a lot. We've seen it on Groot before, how much he just stays alive. And Groot's defenses are strange as well. He's he's a very similar character to Carnage. High physical, low energy, but Carnage has the mystic weakness as well. So it's like Venom has the energy weakness, but he's normal on mystic. Carnage has the mystic weakness. So you've just got to think about it as a big pool of health. And you're just, you're just dice aren't going to hit. Big pool. Got now, it. something I will tell you, Chris, about the rules in MCP with the incinerate condition my favorite condition not many characters have it it's very it's a very rare condition you can never go below one defense dice on attacks so carnage can never be reduced to one energy or one mystic you can reduce his physical though down to fourth and incinerate so keep that in mind when you're playing him at home that's just an innate rule they have baked in mcp you're always rolling one defense dice unless there's like a character that supersedes that or a tactics card or something incinerate as, as it always is in mcp right, right? that's the whole game <laughs> these are the rules unless the card says you can break it and that's what makes it great. <laughs> that's why we have these cool superheroes that do cool things. But, you know, nine out of 10 scenarios or more, Carnage is always rolling one defense dice, even when he's incinerated. So incinerate is probably not the way to control him. The way to control him is conditions, like stagger, like pushes. Slowing him, slowing him. pushes. Yeah, just, yep. Or just blow him up, right? So those are the only ways to really deal with him. And we'll get to more of that in a minute. I just wanted to frame the idea that it's this health pool, man. It's this health pool. But we got to move on to his tactics cards because he does have two which is very interesting i love when characters have two cards to look at the first card is there will be carnage it's an unaffiliated active card so of course you can bring this in any list you have carnage no matter the team carnage may spend any number of power to play this card choose one enemy character within range three of carnage for each power spent the chosen character gains the root special condition so you can give a lot of root i really like this card a lot much more so than i like carnage rules Although I like the theme behind Carnage rules during his uh, maximum Carnage, especially in the 90s, yeah. Carnage had a tendency to write Carnage rules in his victim's uh, life oil, yeah, in in his victim's blood on the uh, on the wall after killing them. Very 90s, I will say. To intentionally leave a trail for exactly you know, people to find him, like his arrogance and his uh, chaos was out of control. Exactly, but. Handing out roots, especially, I mean, we're talking about wanting Carnage to group up the opposing team anyway to really maximize his spending, his big spender, his finishing move. So this this is just a great way to keep characters in place for another chance at it or just slow down the pursuit of Carnage any number of ways. But I think Root is pretty powerful and him being able to throw this out out of nowhere is can be very disruptive to uh, your opponent's game plan. Well, yeah, just a reminder for those at home, because Root is hardly on any characters in the game. Groot's one of the only characters with it as well. Root makes all of your superpowers cost one more. So this is like a Loki bubble of sorts, Chris. But you have to put these conditions I love out. It. So it's a weird control card that Carnage doesn't need, but I'm happy AMG gave it to us. And like, I don't think it, people have really dug deep into this card since the character's release yet. I mean, he hasn't even been out a year yet, right? And it's one of those things like, I just think people were playing Carnage for the health pool and the damage he can do. And the dice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like him to have a control card is very interesting. This would absolutely nullify a balled up Avengers team, right? Like a Steve team. Like you just, you just nullified the Steve tax if you gave them all a route, if you could afford it. 
once again, though, I don't know how much it gels with this kit, but right. it's one of those things like we got to give it a try, but sometimes they add tack cards that are fun like this and you just got to try them, you know, and see, see what happens. And it, it's a good counter against certain teams. Then that's probably its only intention. There's definitely a spot for it. Is there a spot for it in your, I'm trying real hard to win bag? I don't know. Yeah. But is there a spot for it to experiment at home on the table in casual games? Absolutely. There's, it's one of those things that, you know, in the future, mm-hmm. it the code might be cracked with uh, future releases and this card really becomes something. I definitely think it has that potential, but there's no guarantee we ever mm-hmm. live in that future. Well, and it's one of those cards too, Chris. Like, we got to put ourselves in the shoes that we are now, which is now we have access to right. 10 cards. And if you intend to play Carnage a lot, I think you're bringing both these cards. And you, you will know Absolutely. when to bring both or one or the other. But moving on to Carnage rules, this is the card... You taking your 10 when you play Carnage. I'm just saying it. I don't like it as much as you do. It's unaffiliated active card. Carnage may spend four power during his activation to play this card. Choose enemy character within four of Carnage. Advance the chosen character short towards Carnage. We've seen the power of deception on Masik. This is one of those type of things. After the advance, Carnage may make a free symbiote tendrils attack targeting the chosen character. Yes, this costs four, but you get to move somebody off a point, which is how you play MCP, and you get a free strike to potentially gain that power back. Also, Chris, what's crazy about this card, what's just absolutely crazy about this card, say you're, say you're teed up on power. I start my turn with Carnage. I'm on 10 power. I spin four to do this. I move someone off a point. I symbiote tendrils attack them. I daze them. Now I pay three for paint the town red, heal myself up, move, get a free attack again. Right now we're at two free attacks. I haven't even taken an action yet. That's what's scary. That's a very juicy scenario, but how likely are you to pull that off? And is it worth taking this card for such an unlikely scenario? Whereas if you're going to take one card for carnage, I can guarantee that an economy tax will help me that's true i just i just know i I just know it will yeah but this card is more like it's giving you one more thing to do carnage's thing he's gonna do that's what it is and i will say this is safer than the spender that's another thing too yes that's true the disruption can be absolutely clutch in certain games i'm i'm especially against like criminals you know that that can be extremely extremely useful like you're right there but you can definitely bring both hey maybe your dream scenario goes off and you finish it finish the whole turn by by playing there will be carnage you know just cap off that amazing turn of a few ko's and a few extra attacks by just economy taxing everybody else that's uh, alive for the rest of the round so there's a lot of potential with this character just there's a ton yeah and this is just like what you were talking about, Chris, earlier, this is the win more. It's like a win more card, but I also don't think it's like, it's not like a win more in the way of like, oh, it's just win more. No, this is like moving someone short and getting a free strike. I pay four power for that on any character. That's the way to frame it, right? That's I, fair. Like to yep. give myself a free action and to take a fake action with someone else of a short move, I would pay four. So the way I look at it is like you do that on any other character, but it's actually more beneficial for Carnage because it's like, oh, you got that black cat just outside of my range. Move her in blow her up, take her extract she was holding, and now I still have two actions. Do I attack two other people or do I move back on a point? You know, like there's a lot of cool things. It's a weird control card. It doesn't sound like a control card. It sounds like more deleting, but it's just more free actions for Carnage. And I guess if you're playing Carnage, you're going to do this because he's part of your game plan. I And I guess, Chris, that leads us into affiliation building because these cards, this character, 
a lot depends on what team he's in. And we're going to talk about his teams right now. I believe that. We've got to talk about where he's affiliated first. He's only affiliated in one team, which is so cool. It's the Spider-Foes. That's it. He's nowhere else in the game right now. Pretty unusual because there's not a lot of like characters like that in the game. Of course, they're all over the place, but like they're getting more and more narrow. You know, when we have characters like Wolverine, multiple teams, right? Multiple, multiple teams. Mm-hmm some unexpected it's cool to see characters that are only on one team and carnage is one of those but this doesn't mean he can't fit other places let's talk about his obvious synergy with the spider foes enemy characters cannot blow up crits against carnage and then he's re-rolling one of their defense dice he's blowing more people that up. seems pretty good you're worried about your attack dice that's all right you get to you get a free defense dice re-roll that that seems pretty obvious mm-hmm. are, are there any spicy picks for where he fits that that you think someone just needs to be brave enough to do it. There's a lot, Chris. There's a lot of interesting places he can go. I've, I've seen him play to interesting places, which which honestly scares okay. me. I think the first two that come to mind, ones that you and I alluded to at the top of the show as well, Midnight Suns. Giving Blade bleeds is always good. He seems like a, a very good potential Blade enabler. Right. So a character that gives out bleeds like Candy, like Carnage, is obviously a great fit. Same with Venom in this team. But also like cards like Carnage Rules and things like that and Paint the Town Red where he's just getting more free strikes out and more free bleeds. That accelerates Blade's plan more. But like, let's take the bleed out of the equation. Venom and Carnage like the Midnight Suns because they can be placed range one and they're a medium-sized base mm, and it yeah. gets around their issues of having to move when they don't want to move because like ideally venom and carnage always want to be striking as much as possible building power venom especially because he's got all these throws and pulls he just wants to have power to do his control things carnage wants to have power to do his paint the town red sadistically and mm-hmm. his spender when he's ready so anytime they can just pay a power to reposition themselves to like double tap They're going to want to do it. Venom's case gives him more control options. Carnage's case gives him more attacks, potentially more dazes and KOs. Strong team for him. But in that same line of thinking, Chris, because this is an attrition character this week, and sometimes it's just going to be more simple in our focus. Carnage is a great X-Force member. Rerolls on attack dice. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that. Uh, That brings me to another point is X-Men Gold. The free hop, the free cover. I, I just that seems very powerful. They don't have any characters uh, in the X Men that can just absolutely shred people like Carnage can. I guess there's no other characters in the game that can shred people like Carnage can. Corvus so. with the gym, right? And uh, that's true, but that's yeah. that's that's a yeah, that's a that's a pretty expensive character. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I I really like the idea of flanking with Carnage when he's got the auto cover from Storm, yep. being able to position. You know, rogue or honey badger in the right spot to get uh, to get that hop. I love it. Save an action and then potentially, you know, get a paint the town red for even more free stuff. It seems like a pretty synergistic thing, but I'm always thinking about how I can make things work with uh, X Men Gold. Ironically, like Carnage is one of those characters since he is singularly focused and since he is a specialist with one goal, it actually makes him really easy to plug and play in almost every team. And that's, I think, a pretty cool thing. If you like this character, he fits in A Force where he gets more power. He fits in Asgard mm-hmm. where he gets a heal every round on top of his heal if he really wants it. Mm-hmm. He fits quite well in Steve and Sam's Avengers. In fact, I've talked about on this very show, I've tried him in Sam's Avengers yeah. as a counter to other Sam teams to other swarm teams yep because if i'm getting free short moves on my carnage and you've got a bunch of low threat models i'm gonna go catch them and i'm gonna get them funny enough 
at our at home games, he fits really well in Black Order, but probably at tournament play, not so much because Black Order typically can only go three or four wide, period. Yeah. But he's yeah. incredibly strong with Thanos giving him more dice. He's incredibly strong scoring victory points when they daze or KO models. Carnage already wants to do that. Black Order wants to do that. Pretty cool. This is the same reason he's good in Cabal, because he gets more power for dealing damage. He gets more power to do more damage, to do more attacks. Now, other interesting places I've tried him, Chris, Criminal Syndicate. This is probably the place where you bring the root card with him. You play him mm-hmm. more as a 14 health tanky piece that can threaten your other enemy side that pushes in on their secures, counts as two, and then attacks them. He's incredibly scary in this team. But, you know, if there's places that are giving him rerolls offensively or defensively guardians of the galaxy is a good example web warriors are another good example these are helpful as well but he's one of those characters that fits a lot of places now i think his shining places are spider foes because i didn't mention this earlier chris but he also fulfills the spider foes unique part of their team that i've talked about many times that i love so much medium base characters with medium moves that are wall crawlers that are wall crawlers it's unique to that team they've got a lot of movement more than you would think and he fits right in that he also wants to deal damage. They want to deal damage. So I think his main teams are Spider-Foes, X-Force, and Midnight Suns. But Chris, I think the Storm team is an excellent choice because of the cover. Yeah, the only problem with that is that when he's in range two, obviously the cover goes away. But the cool thing about right. him is if you're not doing a spender, if you're just doing his symbiote attack, it's range three. So he's always getting cover if you're playing him right. So might be something worth exploring playing in this nice attrition piece in Storm's team. Mm-hmm. But closing, like we always do, Steve's Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> always. Oh, one track mind over here, Sadistically Jesse. for uh, one. Paint the town red for yeah, two. That's Come on. That's so gross. Just even for the sadistic glee for one. I mean, then we're talking about potentially almost every tendril attack having sadistic glee from round one onward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. just... That's that's just absolutely oppressive. Heal out economy, yeah. Yeah. So I, I do have one question for you before we wrap things up here. What characters or team across the way do your eyes light up? Like, who do you want to see across the table? When do I pick Carnage? What What are the signposts that say Carnage game? Well, I'll state the obvious thing first. A physical team a physical based team is always Mm -hmm. the first start so he's exceptionally good into a lot of avengers teams i'm saying like the sam swarm team that doesn't have a ton of access to energy i know they have iron fists i know they have vision sometimes Mm -hmm. but like outside of that it gets really narrow he also really likes fighting criminals because they're very physical as well it's very interesting and also he hates being controlled what the criminals love to do right he loves dazing models and the criminals lose their leadership when they're dazed right so he's a good fit against that he's a good fit against swarm teams ironically though he's not great against the guardians because they have a lot of access to energy too much energy so much energy yep. so but i think you could also still, still take him to a guardians team when it's like there's a lot of line of sight blocking pieces and he can flank around right and start eating these models hopefully you can match him up on on Groot. he doesn't love my newfound love in the game convocation he does not love fighting the wizards or the mages because who does shredded let's also not forget he can shred some web warriors if he can catch them. Oh, absolutely. And I he can move. He you can know? move pretty good. And Carnage Rules is an extremely, extremely necessary card against the web warrior. It's anti-web warrior, right? Because 
the second Miles starts taking damage or Black Cat starts taking damage, they mm-hmm. just go down. And that's why they're two of the best characters in the game right now. Because if they're not taking damage, they're doing all these crazy things like auto taking awesome. your objectives from you and stuff and staying in stealth and all these things. So if Carnage can catch them, which, you know, that's an anti stealth tech as well, Chris, that Carnage rules. Yep. Just pull them in, get them outside of that range, blow them up. But these are the places he likes, right? Like he likes to fight all these type of characters. You want to pair them against a high physical team. But when you see an opponent with some powerful mystic and energy attacks, you might want to keep him at home. And this is why he's a flex four threat. Like you're not bringing Carnage as your only four threat in a 10 character roster. You're bringing other four threats and you're going to know when the time is, but also there's just times you want to play Carnage and you're going to play him because you're going to have a fun time. He's either going to fulfill his goal or he's not. I will say like, oh my gosh, a character like Hawkeye just ruins Carnage. Cyclops is an excellent uh, anti-Carnage piece. He's got energy. He has a high physical defense and he has a push on Wiles. I mean, we even talked about this in our recent tournament battle report episode. I faced another Spider-Foes player and my goal was to get Scarlet Witch and Green Goblin with energy pumpkin bombs on the side of Carnage and get him off the table before round three, because if he survives, he can start chewing through my team. Cause once again, right. I know goblins an exception cause he can change his pumpkin bombs to energy, but most of the spider foes are physical attackers as well. And carnage can handle that. He can handle their physical punches. Lizard is doing no damage to carnage. Lizard does nothing to him. Right. Uh, lizard can push him and that's good. But other than that, you know, there's a lot going on here. And you know, Chris, like let's talk about turn zero now with carnage, because this is how we're going to close Uh-oh. because He's probably one of the most complex characters in the game for this purpose. Unfortunately, when you play this character, you have to deploy him last. I was going to say, playing him kind of negates any other last place characters. So, And by, by last placement characters, this is, this is what I mean. Is, is characters with you know, major, obvious weaknesses, characters that are easily controlled, you've got to line them up right. And he's hard to do that with because if someone sees him in your bag of 10... Like, I mean, he's one of the characters I look for, man. Like, <laughs> there's just so much damage potential yeah. that, you know, if I see him in their bag, I'm going to tech against him. Whether I think they're going to take him or not, I'm going to have something yeah. on my squad that can do a little bit with him. So, yeah, I think he's really, really hard for that reason. You have, like you said earlier, you have to know how to pick and choose your spots with him. You've got to keep him hidden for a round or two. And that's tough with a four threat character. It's unusual, right? And, it makes his floor incredibly high and his ceiling incredibly high. Mm-hmm. And it's why he's a compelling character to play, but also why most people don't play him because mm-hmm. there's so many consistent fours in the game. It's not that Carnage is inconsistent. It's just you can get matchup defeated or turn zero defeated, but play some last. And Black Panther's Black there, Panther's always you know? there. He's one of the first fours in the game they released and he's never gone away. Man, he's awesome. And I'm so glad that he is. What a great character. Sorry, that was a quick the guy aside. that won LVO had Black Panther and his WebWare team. Makes perfect sense, right? So good job. What I love about this turn zero idea, Chris, is he's easily countered, but he also easily destroys fights if he chose the right fight. So it's like he's right. so swingy in the way of he can be defeated easily, but he can also defeat models easily if he chose the right matchup. So you place him last against typically lower threat models with obviously not energy or mystic attacks and not great defenses, and he will just start chewing through that side. So it's like Carnage is one of those rare scenarios where like, say there's a three and a two on one side of the board. That's the side of the board you put Carnage to face because 
he can go toe-to-toe with them. Yes, they're five threat, but if he starts dazing one or two of the other ones, it starts snowballing. Like you said, he starts performing more free attacks, performing more paint the town reds. He's healing up. He'll defeat those models, get them off the board, and then he'll start coming to the late game fight later. And then you've already won. And that's terrifying. Yeah, you've already won yeah. at that point because you're you're up a threat, right, on them. And he's healthy. Right. Even if he's injured, like he's like no damage on his injured side, right? He's right. coming in. He's got power. So that's his ideal situation. It's why I think he's a great tech against lower threat models. But, you know, once again, he could defeat some higher threat models, Chris, if it's the right situation. Yes, Scarlet Witch can blow him up. But can he also blow her up? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's that pendulum I'm talking about where it's like she's fragile and physical is her worst. And if he catches her unaware, that's rough, right? But she can also just delete him yeah. from range. So it's one of those things like sometimes it's safer to an MCP play a model like this completely safe for two rounds and then do stuff, right? I think your instinct is to dive Carnage in, and I did this a lot early on. Absolutely. Especially in the spider foes, which makes more sense in their team. But like, say you play him in a more defensive team like the web warriors very interesting right he's fine scoring for a few turns and then coming in it this is good right he poses questions of your enemy but you don't want to pose the question too early because if if you pose a question with just carnage and you don't have other questions going on they just say oh the answer is defeat the carnage and then deal with the other questions yep he needs to come in like i mentioned in the past my weird references in my mind like a dark <laughs> templar like zeratul does zeratul doesn't come in early chris oh, yeah. like yeah. zeratul waits because when there's all these other fronts on the enemy, that's when the assassin rogue type character like Zeratul or Carnage comes in and deletes models because there's too many questions going on once and there's there's too much focus. Right. If you give them Carnage as the only focus, you will lose because they'll just focus fire him down and they'll be fine with that because they'll kind of pull back from the rest of your team and then wait for him to be gone and then deal with your team. He's got to stay alive. He's got to stay alive. And he's swingy. He has to be in the middle of it, I yep. think. At the right time. He's not a hold down the right or left side of the board guy. Unless it's like an absolutely perfect yeah, matchup. Yeah. Which it could he be. He is, like you said, score one or two rounds, hope to get them grouped, and then just swing in guns a blade. I think a good way to think of him is the way you play Hulk in this game. He's like Hulk with your goal in mind as Hulk, right? Is to get into the fray take damage, defeat models, create chaos where Hulk is, right? He has that same mindset as Hulk. The problem with him is if you make one wrong move before that turn where he does that, you failed at Carnage. He's a high gambling risk Hulk, and as he should be, he's four and Hulk is six. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of the whole problem with Carnage inherently is he is a niche pick that you need lots of reps with. <laughs> yeah. And some tactics cards. Right. So it's hard to get consistent reps in a competitive environment with a niche pick like Carnage. So if you really set on playing him, you need to get casual games and go in, play him no matter what against good matchups, bad matchups, and different matchups alike, and just test the limits of the character until you're ready to... I mean, I would recommend doing this with any new 100%. character that you're wanting to play, but, but Carnage is... He's a lot like the the Lokis and, and things. You've just got to get the reps, man. There's so much to learn. Yeah, just playing him. Yeah, it's he's a very complex character. So, you know, if this episode has inspired you to get Carnage in, in your 10, I wish you good luck. And if you need reps, hit us up and we'll try our best to help you get some casual games in. But good luck to you. 
Yeah, Chris, we could go on and on about this character because he is so complex, but those are our takeaways for strategy today. And good luck to you out there in the world. And, you know, let there be carnage either way against your carnage or your carnage against 13. That's kind of how this character works. He's all or nothing. And if you like that play style and you like the nuances of the turn zero and the turn one and all that, I think this is definitely a character worth playing. And Chris... The sculpt is incredible. We close this out every time. It's it's the fact really you got good, multiple man. hand options. You got the spear hand, the the symbiote hand, and then the axe hand. Like there's, it's just so cool. There's so many cool things, and um, I'm happy he's in the game. You know, he he's a great piece to supplement the consistency that is Venom. He's a great specialist version of Venom, and I like that. Me too. I'm I'm always drawn to specialists. I just think they're so interesting, and they have such a high payoff. You know, such a fun gamble, and you know. It's fun to uh, have different play styles from everybody else. But watch out for Carnage. Watch out for Carnage. Carnage rules. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Find us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast and Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at Fury's Finest. If you have any email inquiries or ideas, find us at furiesfinest at gmail.com and leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And like Jesse said, please help spread the word of the show. Rate, review, subscribe. And I think now's a good time to point out there are some rating options on apps that were not there before. These are more recent changes. So Maybe check your app of choice and see if you can uh, give us those 5, 10, 15, 20, however many stars you can, (laughs) give them to us. We really appreciate it. Of course, you can find Chris and I on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Aiken. That's J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. Chris, where can everyone find you? You can follow me on Twitter at Chris Bruffett, B-R-U-F-F-E-T-T. Where we're just happy for big, limitless Keith Lee. Okay. So, Chris, this was a fun episode. A lot bigger episode than we foresaw. I told you. I told you it was going to be a long one. Come on. We knew this was a complex character to tackle in lore, in strategy, in one episode. That's just how it's going to be sometimes. Yeah. And it's a fun problem to try to solve. And I want to leave... Uh, listeners with one last juxtaposition one last little nugget that is i think very interesting about this character i don't i don't think it's metaphorical or symbolic of anything just kind of interesting we have such a in the comic book such a one-dimensional kind of broken character he is not smart he does not have elaborate plans he is very reactive he's 100 in the moment and on the tabletop he's a very measured heady type of play he is Mm -hmm. for the heady player even though he is he is carnage he is chaos Mm -hmm. you've really got to know what you're doing with him in mcp i think it's an interesting juxtaposition that uh amg kind of keeps things very um in line with each other lore wise and and game play style wise but the the way this kid is designed it's just it just worked out the other way and i'm really into that i don't think carnage is the type of character you want just proliferating in the game. I think he's good as a niche character. He's incredible at one role and horrible at another, right? And that that they nailed the character in that way. And that makes sense why your play has to be perfect when you play him. Exactly. I just think it's a cool observation. And he has extreme weaknesses in the comics. Energy being well, the biggest one. Oh, yeah. Right? And I, oh, yeah. I love that they leaned into that. And Chris, like these are the most extreme versions we've gotten in the game so far of stats. 
So to have his character with these defenses is so cool. The Mysterio thing all over again, you know? What an yep. extreme, interesting take on this. And I look forward to seeing more Carnage on the table and more teams. Do not discount Carnage in that Web Warrior team. I have played it. It is scary. Chris has played it too. If you yeah, have Web Warriors nasty. that can pull people into Carnage's range, and then Carnage is asking questions on top of Web Warriors asking their point scoring questions, it's a scary place. But until next time, thanks for listening, True Believers. Excelsior. The world has gotten even stranger than you already know. At this point, I doubt anything would surprise me. Ten bucks says you're wrong. 